You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 286, brought to you by Fandango, graphically and iFanboy listeners like you. Tell her to come, I want to be here, yeah, she can suffer everybody's company, get in the car, it's a great adventure, hoping to ride something we haven't rode before, oh, oh, oh. Welcome to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 286. I am Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. And Ron Richards. Hello. Hey, iFanboy.com is all about comics because we like them and we read them. Every week we read a bunch of comics. We, we make a pull list. We read them, and then one of us has to pick the one they like best. They call that the Pick of the Week. They write about it on the website. And then we come here, we talk about that show, uh, that show, that book, and then we talk about all the other books we want to talk about, and then, then some other some random stuff, some ephemera. That's fine. Before we get going, we're going to be talking about what happened in the books from this last week. So if you have not read them, we do not want to spoil them for you. So come back later or, or you know, charge forward on your own recognizance. That's also fine. But now you know. You're informed. Ron, you had the pick of the week this week. I did. And so, so, um, and so bear with me because my, uh, my voice is recovering from being gone after screaming a lot over the past week while on vacation. So bear with me. Um, <laughs> Primal scream therapy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what it was out in the de- out in you know out in the desert, just screaming and just getting back with nature. Really, it was getting number one. No, um, no. <laughs> that's exactly what you would do. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so I'll power through. But yeah, so this week, um, solid, solid week. I thought there was a lot of there was a lot of, uh, you know I had a, a good stack of books and a lot of quality out there. And we've talked about this before in, in the many years of doing the show. Um, every now and then, a book sneaks up on you and you finish it. And you're just like, wow. And that's exactly how I felt after reading Wolverine number nine. Um, going into it, I, I kind of like the, the dark horses of the pick of the week were not dark horses. I mean, the because uh, Wolverine is probably more of a dark horse. But like the ones I was expecting to possibly pick as I looked at my stack, I knew that Astonishing Spider-Man Wolverine, also by Jason Aaron, was coming to an end. I thought that could be a good pick of the week candidate. Um, you know, a, a new Venom with Tom Fowler could possibly be a candidate and Captain America, FF, a lot of good books. Um, and Wolverine has been a book that we've been enjoying a lot over the past a lot. Co- uh, yeah, a lot over the past couple of months. Um, Years, but if it feels you, like if you remember the past uh, couple of months, I've been complaining kind of about the art with Daniel Kuna, not my favorite. Um, this issue right now is probably my favorite issue of this nine issues of this the, this current incarnation of the self titled Wolverine um, car- uh, book. Um, Self contained story that was fast was badass, was awesome, was so much fun to read, and I totally did a 180 on Daniel Acuna's art, and I loved it. It's gorgeous in this issue. Yeah. This is this is like a 70s action movie. Yeah, exactly, issue. exactly. So so essentially, this this is, like I said, this is a single read-alone issue, standalone issue. Um, picks up after the whole Wolverine climbing out of hell that we saw, and now he wants revenge over whoever sent him to hell. And it turns out the the mysterious organization that's that's doing this, the Red, what were they called, the Red Hand something? Something like that. Yeah, the red hand, the right red hand, the red right hand, um, used Mystique to kick this all off, 
And so that ties into the get into the whole Mystique Wolverine thing that Jason Aaron started back in like 2008. Um, so like he's doing a large, you know, like a big story with Wolverine, and that's when I realized it with this issue. I was like, shit, he's been planning this for years, and it's all moving forward. And the great thing was is that you don't need to know anything about those past years to read this issue. You don't need to know anything about the previous eight issues that came out to read this issue. You could pick up this issue and just enjoy it, and that's what makes a really good comic book um, in my mind. The um, uh, one of the, the the cool things about it was that so the issue starts off with Wolverine deciding he wants you know revenge and to go after Mystique and then immediately we get introduced to a new villain uh, Lord Deathstrike which uh, if you, if there's any way to introduce a new character this possibly might have been the best way I've ever seen. <laughs> well before we tell him why I think what's interesting about Jason Aaron and this, this also ties into the next book we're going to talk about is that. Not only does he write really fast-paced, fun action comics that are funny and are heartbreaking and are emotional, but he doesn't forget that these are comics, and he has fun with them. Exactly. The way we introduced to, to Lord Deathstrike was completely and totally a comic book thing that wouldn't, you know, it doesn't pass any scientific muster, but is awesome and now yeah, you can tell them what it, it is. It was great. Yeah, so so we get introduced to to this guy and he's in a suit with the white tie and he's got a kabuki mask. And the great thing is that there's a lady death strike. There's been a lady yeah. death strike for years and I, I was kind of like I had to look it up because I'm like is this a new guy or is there, has there not been a Lord Death Strike? Like I couldn't believe it in the in the kind of um, Wolverine kind of canon, but uh, it shows that he's in Argentina and you see a plane in the distance and he's walking and he's got two associates in a suit and they're talking about how um, they have a contract to kill somebody in China, and they don't understand why they're wasting their time in here in Argentina. And Lord Deathstrike just quietly takes out his little his phone, and you see a little 3D kind of map, and it beeps, and then he opens up a case, and he builds this big gun on a tripod and sets it down and just shoots into the ground. And then you turn the page, and you see a fat guy in China lounging with all these security guards around him, and a bullet come underneath him and shoot him. <laughs> so the guy shot a bullet in Argentina and killed a dude in China. How awesome is that? It was pretty cool. Yeah. And so then, so then immediately as he finishes, the guy looks at his phone and he sees that his next target is Mystique, that the, this, red, uh, this red right brigade has hired him to kill Mystique. So what you've got now is you've got Wolverine trying to track down Mystique in San Francisco and then Lord Deathstrike trying to kill Mystique. And you've got basically these three kind of forces clashing in, on the streets of San Francisco. And what was great is that you had like – Five pages of setup. You have Wolverine tracking down uh, Mystique, introduction to Lord Deathstrike, and then immediately you have Wolverine and Mystique and Lord Deathstrike mixing up in San Francisco. And it and from this point on, this comic moved so fast. Well, everyone's constantly running or driving yep. or something. And the one thing Akuna did really well in this was really he really conveyed speed. Yep. Whenever whenever Lord Deathstrike was running with guns in each hand, which is almost the entire issue, yep. you you could almost feel it. You could almost hear the footsteps. You could almost see it. Just everything felt like it was moving. That, that one panel of him running with the two guns, and you see the speed lines. It just felt that that started the the real speed. And then Mystique hops on a motorcycle, and then all of a sudden Wolverine pulls up in a Shelby and in a Mustang, and totally hearkening back to Bullet, which is fine. It's a green Mustang. I'll take it. You know, and and this great high speed chase. And then the other thing that I thought was interesting was that um, Jason Aaron. Um, is using Mystique in a creative way that I haven't seen anybody use Mystique in years in that so like the, the car chase and the car chase was only like three pages and it was one of the best car chases I've ever read in comics but um, it gets to a point where a garbage truck cuts them off and Wolverine crashes the Mustang into the garbage truck and then you just see Mystique jumping over the garbage truck but I was like how is she jumping I realized she shapeshifted and created wings 
Yep. And you never see Mystique using her powers like that, which makes perfect sense because she's a shapeshifter. And so um, so she jumps. She, she's able to get away, but then Lord Deathstrike shoots her from the sewers, shoots up in, in, uh, up into the road, and she crashes. And then she shapeshifts into a cop and runs into a gun store and takes and walks out with this big eight, like machine gun. Right? Yeah, there were so many guns and explosions in this. Like, it was just uh, – it was great. And ultimately, you know, ultimately, you know, and this, what happens is that Wolverine and Mystique are fighting – uh, Deathstrike's trying to kill Mystique. You know, Wolverine, you know, get, you know, gets in the way of Deathstrike, and it's just like you don't know who's shooting who, and you know, there's kind of the standoffs, and then Deathstrike gets away, and Wolverine kills Mystique, which is kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big, uh, big thing. And then at the very, very end, we see this kind of um, underground, you know, criminal auction happening, and uh, some ninjas buy Mystique's body, which uh, so they'll, they'll resurrect her, and then yeah, I'm, I'm guessing it was the hand. Yeah, exactly. Yes, but. Talk about a great first issue. It, like, oh, it was great. It was it was a lot of fun. I really like this. I, I've been a huge fan of his whole run going back to the Weapon X series. We, we talked about that a lot. And this run, we talked about the last issue a lot. Uh, he, and, and if you combine his other books, I think Jason Aaron is quickly becoming like the best writer in comics. Yeah, I mean, and, because I think he really gets the whole picture, the whole package of comics. They're funny. They're action packed. They're emotional. Well, they are a little bit crazy. They're fun. And that's lots a, of fun. And that's the thing. And like when we talked to him at WonderCon, he said how he's been writing Wolverine the longest. And I, I kind of forget that. I, you know, when he went to Marvel, the first thing he did was Wolverine. And he's been doing this for so long, and he's got the rhythm now. And he's doing the action. He 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 sneaks in the humor when he needs to. Um, this was like you said, a '70s action movie. Like I wanted to see this in motion. Like I wanted to feel. And so when I put the book down, I was just I was I was tired. In a good yeah. way, you know, like I was like, wow, that was exhausting. It was, <laughs> so it was lots good. of fun. I really like this issue a lot. It's just, I mean, it's only issue nine. People can jump on with this issue. They can go back into the other ones. It will, he, Jason Aaron's doing great work on Wolverine right now. Yeah, totally. Or continuing to do great work on Wolverine since he's been doing it for a while. So what you're saying is you want this to be a motion comic? No, if I, if no. I'm hearing I, you correctly. No, no, no. I just. I mean, it could, this could be a great template for a Wolverine action sequence in the Wolverine, in the next Wolverine movie. There you go. How's that? Motion comic. Yeah. Another book that I thought could have easily been pick of the week was Astonishing Spider-Man Wolverine number six, the final issue of the miniseries that Jason Aaron's writing. It, it came and it came really close. It was really, really close because this because Astonishing Spider-Man Wolverine was so like perfect ending. Well, it's like, funny because, first of all, the, the art by Adam Kubert, for for historical purposes, Andy Kubert was always my favorite Kubert brother. But if you compare the art in here to like the art in Flashpoint, yep. it's not even a comparison. Adam, Adam Kubert's fantastic. Yeah, I've been thinking great. about that lately. I think I've de- definitely established a favorite Kubert. Yeah. Joe. Uh, no, yeah, that's actually true. Yeah. But then after that, of the two brothers, it's the Marvel one. See, I've already lost track of it's Adam, Adam Kubert. Adam. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, like but the, the thing is, and I agree, and I think he's killed him in the series. But one of the reasons why I didn't pick a pick of the week was that it really kind of broke down towards the end. Like it, it, it took it took a it took a a, a a click or two down in terms of the quality that it had been for this whole series. You could tell he was kind of they were rushing to finish it. I think. Yeah, um, I could see so, that. So like her, like when they went back to the bank and the girl's face. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that got really kind of rough. But this went again. Jason Aaron shows his writing chops and takes this in a direction that I didn't see coming, that I didn't see going. Like, I well, thought- the, the really the great thing about this mini is we've been set up on this, up until this point, a five-issue kind of romp through time with Wolverine and Spider-Man. It's been funny. They've been cavemen. In this issue, they were cowboys, and, and Wolverine was an Indian. Yep. It's been really funny and, and, and goofy, you know, kind of with the Phoenix gun and, and the, the Doom planet. But what he does bril- brilliantly, and almost better than any writer that I know of, is 
he he brings it all home in a really emotional and yeah. devastating way. This was a devastating issue. Well, well this the, I mean, the this last was pages were just punch you in the gut constantly. Well, what I find amazing is that every issue he something happens and you get the new issue and like the last issue ended with Wolverine becoming the Phoenix Force. And I thought that this this whole issue was the, what that was what's going to be, and it opens up with uh, Spider-Man and Wolverine in the 1800s as cowboys and Indians telling the story of what happened when Wolverine was the Phoenix Force, and turns out they've been in the Old West for three years, and now yep. this is and now not to get a distraction, but this is my problem. I love time travel stories and I love it, but biologically they age three years. Yeah, that's that's yes, yes that's fucked up. That's time travel for you. Yeah, I know exactly. That doesn't, that doesn't mean anything for Wolverine. No, no, but for Spider-Man it does. I mean, you, you know, like so. Let's say Spider-Man's what thirty. Let's just say he's thirty. And the moment they left the bank and went on this romp, he's been gone for five. His body is aged. Your body doesn't stop aging. It's amazing. Anyway, um, so that, that's really scratch man. But yeah, so they're in the Wild West, and turns out Spider-Man meets a girl and falls in love, and they've kind of resigned the fact that they're never going to get back to the present. Like they, they, these diamonds that caused the time travel. The one they had wasn't working, and they've been there for three years, and they found a life, and they were happy, and they became blood brothers. And then next thing you know, the um, the diamond starts glowing again, and they get they run into this uh, this uh, kind of like time cops almost, you know, who are trying to set the timeline right. And it takes them back to the present, and turns out the girl that Spider Man fell in love with was from the present. She was working in a bank, and she has no recollection of their three years together. And you know, and and, my, and the whole time I'm reading this, I'm like, I want to read about Spider Man with this girl, not Carly. Yes, <laughs> you know, I was like, oh man. But then, but then, not only does he lose that, but I mean, Wolverine kind of misses him. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah, the relationship they've had over the yeah. course of their, their travels together. So Wolverine sort of drowning in sorrows, looking at this the glove that's where he cut his hand, and yeah, and then Spider Man is the last panel, which is a whole page, the last, the third to last panel, which yeah. is a whole page shot of Spider Man in front of the tree where he carved his initials in the 1800s. Was just. Devastating. I put that in the, pick, the panels of the week feature yeah. on my fanboy. It's just the, the whole epilogue. That's the best kind of comic where you think you've got one tone and then at the end it smacks you in the face. Yeah. The whole epilogue from right after the double page Thor Slurpee ad, um, from the, the, that four panels of Spider Man looking down and looking at Wolverine and then, you know, holding the look and then turning away. And then the whole kind of wrap up of the story was just gut wrenching. I mean, from yep. everything from Wolverine drinking in Jason Aaron's bar, apparently, which was weird. Yeah. Um, but um, to seeing you know the 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 czar villain guy get those diamonds and to see how the story started to the little tie-ins with like Beast saying hmm, I should buy I should build a phoenix gun you know and like like it, it laid out all how everything happened and then it ended like you said with that emotional ending of Spider-Man being lonely and Wolverine just drinking and missing Spider-Man and then what was great is the last page gives us a little hint that this might not be the last more more yeah, exactly more, give me more. <laughs> exactly this is one of the most fun books i've read in the last year yeah oh so I- good Think about this book. Yeah, it was great. This, and this trade paperback is going to be such a go-to. You want to give somebody a great story? Just give them this trade paperback when it comes out. It's One more, more. Give me more. Yeah, I exactly. Oh, so good. Uh, now, Josh, my pick of the week ended up being Detective Comics eight seventy seven. It could be any of the other three, but this was another great issue. I, you're you're absolutely right. It was just another sort of look at why Jock is you know it was meant to do this. I mean, it's just just page after page of of beautiful artwork and sort of really even the stuff where there's there's a lot of talking and explaining in this but besides that the tones just there the whole time and then the other side like you you just i i i i love dick grayson uh the way that scott snyder writes him more than i've really cared about that character in a really really long time uh and, and it's and there's a new they kill him off <laughs> yeah. you know this issue was also like like the last one we talked about also very unexpectedly funny yeah which was nice 
There's a lot of issues this week that sort of played with their tone and, and to good effect. I, I think the one thing I was noticing the whole time is how different, you know, Dick is than Bruce, even in the persona of Batman. And, uh, and I like that because the, the thing is, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about how Batman is such a malleable character and he can, he's been all these different things over the year. But now we're at the point where the, the audience has been so locked into him for so long that it's hard to do change. And so you can't really have one of those Batman epochal shifts because everybody thinks they know who Bruce Wayne is. Well, I know who Bruce Wayne is because this is what he was in 1986. And and I was thinking about this as a way that even even more so than Bucky is Captain America, you know, Dick is Batman is a way to subvert the Batman thing, still work in the world that everybody knows, work with the history that everybody knows, but do something different. And I just – all through, I've just even even going back to like Batman and Robin, it's just so refreshing. I think mm-hmm. because you know I love Bruce Wayne as a character; he's a ton of fun. But how much fun is it just to be like, okay, let's be rid of all that weight for a little while? Not all, you know, not all. It's a different kind of thing, but it, it's just it's just kind of refreshing. Uh, yeah, and I, I don't want Jock to ever draw anything else. I could no, well, I, there's there's things I could definitely have him draw, but but there, there's no problems with this. Yeah, um, I mean, it's just. Uh, it's just a, it's a wonderful book, and it's it's you know it's exactly what was promised. It's detective comics. You know, there's a mystery. We're trying to figure it out. Um, yeah, and then that last page is great. Wonderful book. Um, so so if if Bruce Wayne totally stayed away, stayed in Batman Incorporated, and it was just this creative team doing Dick Grayson stories, Connor as a Batman guy, you'd be happy. Well, now we got Thomas Wayne to deal with too. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of a lot of Batman's. A lot of Batman. Um, <laughs> See, Thomas Wayne's got the red eyes. Bruce has got the yellow circle. Oh, Jesus. And, and Dick's the other guy. There's only two chairs, and when the music stops, someone's not sitting down. <laughs> Dan DiDio's grand plan finally put into motion. <laughs> well, well, speaking of artists, uh, Venom number three featured uh, Tom Fowler moving on to the book. Uh, you know, in an alternating fact. You know, Tony Moore's going to do some. Tom Fowler will do some. They're going to trade off on Venom. Um, and honestly, going into that, knowing Fowler's style like that, you know, that, that, oh, I forget the guy that he, that he reminds me of the guy, the Mad Magazine guy. Um, I always forget it, but he, he's, Fowler got, does work mad sometimes. Yeah, no, like, yeah. Like, like if you read, if you read Mysteriously Unfathomable, he's got this, this style of drawing that is very much like, and I can't remember, that's, the name's escaping me. Crap. I'll think of it later on. But, um, so I was like, oh, he's going to be on Venom. How's that going to work? And after reading this, all I got to say is fucking fantastic. You are not kidding. Oh, my because God. Here's the thing. If you tell me that Tony Moore is going to be on a book, I'm like, yes. Yeah. And then if you tell me that he's going to do two issues of that book and then another guy's going to come in, I'm like, fuck no. Right. But I didn't, I didn't. I was cool. Yeah. I was fine. Uh, it was beautiful and, and – you know, matters on a roll as far as I'm concerned. Well, and it was, and it was like there was a couple, of, there was a couple of things at it. So not only did you have Tom Fowler in the book and him drawing Venom and the the henchman with the skulls, which I love that design, like those freaky Grim Fandango skulls, like the kind of the Karate Kid. You remember the when Johnny and the the gang uh, were dressed up like skeletons? That was creepy as yeah. a kid. Oh, it was, oh, it was totally the, creepy. Yeah, that scene, that scene was hardcore. Yeah. yeah, but um, anyway, um. And Jack O' Lantern, his Jack O' Lantern looked great. But that, not, only, not only do we get all that, but this was a big deal issue because we had the big villain reveal. We meet the crime mm-hmm. master who looks like a great villain, who looks, you know, like I, I already love the approach that uh, Remender is writing with him. And then Venom runs into Spider Man. Like, finally, like the thing that we've been waiting for is yeah. like, what is Peter going to do when he finds out about Venom? And it, he just assumes that it's the same old Venom and they start fighting and he doesn't know that's Flash. And like, every setup. 
that Remender has done with this book has been just great. And th- this issue was this issue was also really close to being pick of the week because it was just really really solid and really great and got me right. you know like and the thing was like having you know like you said Tony Moore for two issues then going to come off but if it's you know Tony Moore Fowler alternating I'm totally cool with that. Oh, yeah. totally fine with yeah. it. The, the, I gotta say the first two pages in this. Yep. Fantastic. Yep. Just just the, the sort of well the first uh, page, the first Leonard. page was just black with except for the face. <laughs> No, no, I know. I mean, it's a storytelling thing. Yeah. Like you don't, yeah. you you don't know what's going on because, like the character, you're, you know, you're in, a, you're from Betty's point of view, you're, you're, you know, asleep. You don't, you're like, what am I doing? What's going on? Where am I? Right. And then you see what's going on. And that's as scary as anything gets. You know, right. you wake from a dead sleep and there's a scary fucking dude there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Head on fire. Who's not Ghost Rider? Um, three inches from your face. I, yeah, I thought, I, and then I thought the whole action sequence of Venom and the henchmen and the skeleton were great. The little skeletons on the Pac-Man ghost uh, surfboards, like, oh, this whole this whole action sequence was amazing. Was really. You know what was weird? What the dude playing tennis? Yeah, that was a little weird. That got me a little worried because that was very mysterious. In fact, that, that's that style I'm talking about. I, I'm not talking about the art. I just yeah. mean like, what? What's he playing tennis for? He's playing racquetball. Racquetball. It's racquetball. Yeah. 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 Exercise. Yeah. Either way, executive. Be it be it squash, whatever. Right. Uh, that was odd. And he's like, "No, nah, let it be. It's cool. I got I got to finish my <laughs> racquetball." <laughs> but yeah, it ends with a cliffhanger. They're gonna, they they pulled the kill switch, and we're gonna see we're gonna see what happens. But it's it's I'm, I don't know. Fowler's on the next issue too, and this is just a great start. It was really it was one of those things where I you know we knew it was coming. We talked to Remender at WonderCon about it. We talked to Tom Fowler actually at Emerald City, um, you know, just hanging out at the show, and he you know he was talking about working on Venom, and it's just like. And I, it was one of those things where I was like, "Really? Oh, I'm not sure how that's gonna work." And it, oh, like, it's so crazy. It works, and it's great, and that's why I love see, it. See, I've, so. since I've been doing, you know, like the sketchups, especially like every time something of Fowler's comes up, I'm like, "Oh, that's that is great." And and I've really just been looking forward to see him do more stuff. So I was I was excited for that. Now again, replacing Tony Moore was it was absolutely one of my favorites, but I didn't feel it. You know, I enjoyed yeah. it. It was great. Well, talk, I think talk. there are there are three names that are responsible for the rebirth of Captain America. Okay. One is Stefano Guadiano. Yep. Two is Betty Brightweiser. Yep. And three is Chris Somney. Absolutely. Because not only is the Somney art great, but the, the color shift between Frank Dermata and Betty Brightweiser really served the book well. And I like Frank Dermata's art, but I, I color, but I think the switching it up after so long really reinvigorated the book. But more than anything, I think Stefano Guadiano's inks over Butch Geis's art. Yep, it's really saved the book. Right. Although I gotta, I gotta say, with having Geis uh, doing the Bucky stuff in the Gulag and and Somni doing the Captain Steve and uh, Black Widow and Sharon Carter scenes, I, I just want it all to be Somni. I, I I gotta say, I love a Chris Somni Steve Rogers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I was. I by the way, I'm back on. I didn't. I didn't buy the last one. It was the first one I, I came back on. Oh, for. so you're back on. Yeah. I, I I I really liked it. I was like, yeah, this it's good, right? Yeah, yeah. But that that sort of the way that he was drawing Captain Steve with a big chin and the, like, yeah. I was just like, that's that's what I want to see. You, you know what made me laugh was in the opening pages. I forget it's the it's the page after the UFC wrestling action figures. Um, I'm just using ads now to guide it because that's how that's that's guide points, yeah, okay. but, um, we haven't even got a chance to talk about that DC ad for Super 8 yeah. is, <laughs> anyway ugh. but so the page after the UFC guys when um, uh, Sharon Carter and Natasha in the rain and they're going to some building and they're literally the building it's four, four a stairs with like four or five steps up to the door and the Black Widow has to leap over the steps, <laughs> over the, over the, and then actually that. the next panel was Sharon just walking up the stairs. Like it was like, <laughs> I feel like it's, there's 
some sort of artistic contest to see what dumb shit they can make Black Widow do that most people wouldn't bother with. Exactly. Right? Her personality. She, she does that stuff because she can. Right. If I could, if I could jump chair. as a comic book character, I would never walk normally. I'd be jumping off everything. Yeah. You'd do doing parkour is what you're saying? Yes. Um, uh, do you think Captain Steven gets sick of that little backpack he's always wearing? <laughs> That's what I was wondering because every scene he's got it. And it's a little one. It's not even like a regular size backpack. It's like right in the like, small of the back. It's like with those small backpacks that girls wore like five in the 90s, years ago. No, yeah. Like in the mid nineties, do you remember yeah, that? The yeah. Fingers there, yeah. It's just it's right there between the shoulder blades, always. I just wonder if he just wants to take it off when he's at the work. You know, he's at the office. Put it on the back of the chair. I love he, that guy Rich is in it. What's in that backpack? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Is it his energy shield battery? He keeps his phone, his makeup. <laughs> so weird. Uh, um, I love that he drives a flying car still. They've, they've, they've stuck with that from issue one. Yep, yep. And I also liked really like really thin and mod Nick Fury. Yes. Yeah, like I was like I was like, whoa, that's Nick Fury. I was like, wow. <laughs> that is pretty badass. It kinda looks a little older. Yeah, yeah. That does work. Yeah. It's nice. Everything about this has been reinvigorated and I think a lot of all those are the three names why. Yeah. Well hopefully hopefully they stick with it and because the it was a rough it was a rough go to get there. Yes it was. Sure. But yeah. this this has been good. Yeah. So cool. Awesome. Well, I want to take a quick break to tell uh, everybody about the the last of our fantastic uh, giveaways over at ifanboy.com. We've been giving stuff out all through the month of May. Um, if you go to ifanboy.com, there's a post on the red post. You can see all the stuff we've given away. We've given away uh, trade paperbacks from Image, and we gave away DVDs, the Avengers DVDs. Um, and this week, we are giving away uh, four iFanboy members are going to get uh, gift cards from Fandango worth $25 uh, to be used at Fandango to buy movie tickets. Um, totally great. Take a night out on the town. Perfect for you know two tickets and, and a little extra or whatever to go out and go see your favorite movie. doesn't have to be Thor, even though the gift cards are Thor limited edition Thor photo cards. It could be X-Men First Class, which is coming out next week. And now you can buy your tickets on Fandango for X-Men First Class. And we want to thank Fandango for providing these gift cards and, um, and being a great service. I use Fandango personally all the time to buy my movie tickets, and so I I strongly recommend you do as well. There are banners on the sites where you can go click on and get your tickets to X-Men First Class in advance, advanced purchase, so make sure you do that. Um, and the way you can win is by becoming an iFanboy member. If you go to iFanboy.com slash store, you can find the different membership levels. We've got uh, a lower tier monthly or lower tier yearly membership or a higher tier monthly, higher tier yearly membership. Um, gets you all cool stuff, pins, stickers, free comics, and the higher tier gets you a t-shirt. So uh, the only way you can win is by becoming a member. We're going to announce the four winners at the end of the show. So stay tuned. At the end of the show, we'll announce the four winners. And stay tuned for even more awesome giveaways coming up this summer. So uh, it was a good month for to be an iFanboy member, and hopefully it will We'll just get better from here. So go to ifanboy.com slash store and sign up today. DuckTales number one came out this week. It was the um, uh, r- riding a wave that started with Darkwing Duck, which is still going on. It's still very much fun. Uh, it's still similar. It's it's just a comic book of DuckTales. I'm so and mad that my voice is going and I can't do the Ian McKellen DuckTales voice. Race cars, lasers, <laughs> aeroplanes. <laughs> that kid is great. Uh, <laughs> um, so this is Duck, it's, uh, it's your standard DuckTales story. <laughs> Scrooge McDuck and John D. Duckefeller are in a competition over who can be the biggest philanthropist in Duckburg. And what is it it, about Ducktales? It was a great cartoon. That's what it was. It was a great. I mean, race cars, lasers, airplanes. (laughs) It's a duck blur. No, but seriously, I love this cartoon, and I love that they're finally doing a comic with it, and it's great. Oh, I love. Well, there were there were Uncle Scrooge comics, you know, forever. Yeah, exactly. I read I read a lot of them in my junior high school years. Well, Um, well, that's what I wrote on the. I recommended this in the Light Week post, and I said, "What was great about Ducktales was that Ducktales brought those Uncle Scrooge comics that I read as a kid to life." 
Yes. And so it's kind of a weird meta closing the circle in that now we have DuckTales comics. You know? <laughs> but, um, I mean, just full of adventure. You know, a little wacky, that great, you know, Don Rosa kind it's of, great. you know, um, Uncle Scrooge style, you know, artwork. Yep. Oh, just perfect. Great stuff. It's lots of fun. Yep. Yeah. It's a duck blur. So. <laughs> um, so Fantastic Four number four, Barry Kitson, sign me up. Really? Because I didn't really like I it. I love Barry Kitson. He's great. I normally like Barry Kitson, but I didn't really like it in this issue. Yeah. I, 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 I Early on, it was a little rough because I thought he was trying to be a little like Epting. But then I felt like it got a little looser towards the end, and it felt more like Kitson. And and I, I don't know. I just I again I really like this issue. I love Sue in the beginning as showing that she's a badass. Um, the, uh, the, the, this is all about Doctor Doom scowling. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the the Council of Doom was awesome, and the bickering and talking amongst them was great. More of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. So good. So so good. And then great great ending. Great you know cl- kind of cliffhanger where the mole man pops up in the in in the South Pole, and there's uh, Cyclops Reed. This. <laughs> This is kind of getting that you get that feeling. Like this is like this is a big deal run. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You know, like like you're getting like, oh, we're gonna be talking about this for a long time. Yep. This is this is. I mean, I when's the last Fantastic Four story that you remember that any that felt anything like this? Yeah. No. This is this is grand in scale, and I just love the way it's going, and I love uh, everything about it is just great. I, I I love the whole FF feel. I like the costumes. They went the costumes went black. You know, towards you know they, they changed mm-hmm. color. Oh, it's, oh, it's great. Like it. This was the bolt. This was the shot in the arm that Fantastic Four needed. I really think. And and uh, so Hickman, bravo. So it's very, very good. That just that whole little sequence in the beginning with the crusts too is a lot. Like he does Spider Man really well too, on top of all of that other stuff. Yeah. Which is why we've been complaining about Spider Amazing Spider Man because in comparison, it's really, really pales. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of in of paling in comparison, you guys remember a little while ago I was talking about Iron Man two point yeah, you really into buying it. it again, you son of a bitch. Well. They they did what happens with these sort of mid list books is that they start off with something really cool and then an event comes along and they just dash all that shit off to the side and so now I'm stuck in the middle of this Kunlun Iron Fist thing going on which in, is in fine. Iron Man in, in War that's, Machine really <laughs> yeah which is fine if that's what you want but that's not what I signed up for yeah and it it's like it's issue four no five and it's just like you know it's already not what it was there was a really interesting story going on and and they gave it one panel worth of lip service and and you know i get it it's editorial it's what happens but we're back to the bride of nine spiders that's not what i wanted i i had a i had a political thriller in in that you know with the new iron man suit and i was down with it and this is not that at all and it's too early for that do that at issue 12 13 like yeah well, it's speaking going. well, speaking of issue thirteen, uh, Secret Avengers number thirteen, uh, with Nick Spencer's second book, he did the point one, right? So yeah, there's actually yeah. a little bit of crossover between this and Iron Man. Oh, really? The, the, yeah. the beginning scene. Is, okay. Is, yeah. But um, so it was highlighted in the best week of panels this week of uh, it, this 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 comic featured the statue of Abe Lincoln coming to life and fighting Nazis, which was awesome. But unfortunately, um, well, well, good for Nick Spencer in that it overshadowed the fact that this is one of the worst comic books I've ever read in my life. Whoa. Like wow. it was I read I sat down and read it. I was like, oh, oh, my God. And maybe it was the fear itself tie in and the forcing it in. But like it, the, everything around the Abe Lincoln coming to life was like contrived and forced and like just it was bad. I was I was shocked. I was like I was like, wow, lusters off Nick Spencer. 
I really enjoyed this. I thought the the um the whole thing was there's a mutant in a mutant representative in the House of Representatives who won't leave. This is when the Capitol's being attacked. You know, it's not happening in the real main book. It's happening in these side books, but really not. We're not even seeing that happening. It's yeah. not happening. We're not at all. It's just it's happening in between battles. In all the books that I've yeah. been reading. Um, they can't get this one guy out. He's been asking for the beast, and he the beast shows up, and they're old friends. And he's a it turns out a secret mutant, and his power is to bend reality. So it, while these Nazi robots are attacking the Capitol. He causes the statue, the, the the Lincoln statue, to come to life. He brings back all the exhibits in the um, Smithsonian. So you've got all, like hordes of Indians coming out and old soldiers. And, and then and George, then proceeds, George Washington comes out and leads the army against Nazis. And that's, I mean, and then and then he proceeds to read the Gettysburg Address right before the uh, to live TV to every news network right before the Capitol blows up. And like it, it, uh, it was this was bad. Great. It was bad. The whole this, was, this whole something. senator, there was no like it was like Beast was just like it was like oh so that was you all those years it was like again one of those things where it's like hey, don't get me wrong it was, you know like I know what Spencer was trying to do and I see the idea of it and it didn't help that Scott Eaton's art I'm not a big fan of um, yeah, but, the art the art was not that good yeah but I was I was just I was shocked at how bad this was so at least in my opinion so yeah I, I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. I, I really liked American Vampire number 15. <laughs> uh, one, of, one of the places that's supposed to be very, very bad uh, is the South Pacific on the islands they were fighting for during World War II uh, against the Japanese. And uh, when you add really nasty vampires to it, that makes it a little worse. Although I found the Japanese prison camp to be scarier than that without that. Um, just, just another really good issue. I really like the ensemble of soldiers that, that they put together. Uh, the, I don't know the guy's name, but like the lead uh, the lead guy with the beard, I think he's like Russian or something like that. Uh, they're they're just great characters, and and there's a good cliffhanger here where I don't know exactly what's gonna happen, but it's uh it's, looks pretty ugly. Well, the best part of this is the Skinner sweet time bomb that we're just waiting to go off. Yeah, yeah. Is that he's undercover as one of the soldiers, and he's been we don't know why he's there or what he's up to, but mm-hmm. he almost reveals himself to the guy who would know him at least by reputation and name. Yeah. So when when that happened, he started. I started to get all tense, waiting for the payoff, and then he didn't didn't happen. So now you're just waiting for the moment when he reveals himself, and then he, you assume all hell will break loose. It's really quite a lot of fun. Yes, uh, and you know, like it, it when they promised the World War II story, uh, this is really living up to that, and I like that a lot. Uh, talk about fun, uh, Suicide Girls number two from IDW. <laughs> really. <laughs> Suicide, so, uh, suicide Girls is what you expect. Well, be, we have this concept with the Suicide Girls, which is you know the website with the, the tattooed naked girls, and it's yeah. basically turned into a comic. How do you do that? You basically turn them into badass tattooed naked Charlie's Angels. Are you reading it? Yeah. This like it was funny. The first issue came out, and I, I enjoyed it, and and you know, but like I didn't quite know what to make of it. And then there were all those weird Cameron Stewart nudie pinups in the back, which was just weird. They toned that down. Now his, his pinups, their clothes. So there's not as much nudity. Kind, of, I, I, kind I, of a mistake. <laughs> yeah, possibly. It was a risk. Kind of hot. <laughs> kind of hot, yeah. <laughs> I'm not lying. But, no, exactly. And, well, there weren't just drawings in the back of the first issue. And as That's... I was, as I was, re- yeah, there weren't just drawings. But as I was reading this issue, I got about halfway and I was like, you know, this is just stupid fun. Yeah, this is exactly what I always expect from like any excuse to get them naked, them changing, and all that sort of stuff. It's just like and and it's crazy, like they're crazy Charlie Angels, you know, like you know operatives and and uh, the Suicide Girls, yeah, like exactly. Suicide Squad, <laughs> the Suicide Girls. Yeah, it's like and I had a ton of fun. I'm having a ton of fun reading it. It's great. I mean, don't get me wrong. It is exactly what you think. It's like... It doesn't pretend to be anything else, which I think, which I like. It's, yeah. it's, it's basically well, we're going to turn this website into a comic book series. How will we do that? Yeah. Well, we'll make on, it. on on the front, 
it looks like those girls are making out. Right, that does not happen in the book. They were just playing video games. Yeah, Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which is another fantasy for some people. (laughs) You read it too. Yeah, yeah. I I wanted to see if the end was good again. (laughs) I was a little disappointed. Well, there was one one picture at the end. That was an ad. That was the best ad I saw all week. (laughs) Exactly. It was way better than the Super 8 ad. Yeah. Secrets are revealed. But uh, uh, Bria and Zane Grant are, are writing a decent book, and 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 David Hahn pencils Cameron Stewart art. I mean, it's a good team, you know. So like that, that's kind of why I went into it, knowing the creative team was so solid. <laughs> it's, it's fun. I actually really enjoy the backup tales, which are written by uh, Stephen. I also think, and then yeah. uh, Cameron Stewart draws them. It's just a sort of suicide girls throughout history. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Yeah, so uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I don't know, <laughs> call me crazy. <laughs> So, all right. So those are the books that came out this week. Uh, and a bunch more books came out. Go to ifanboy.com slash comics. You can see all the comics that come out every week. And all of you in the uh, ifanboy community, do your uh, come back and do your pull lists and rate and review your books. And we're going to highlight the top five pick of the weeks from the community. Connor, take it away because my voice is going. Well, do we want to mention where Wolverine falls in this continuum? Or we just oh, sort of... yeah. I didn't look that up. I'm gonna look that Wolverine up. was number 11. Okay. And this is at the time recording, so by the time you hear this, it might have changed because more people come and do it. So, yeah. Sure. So, the number five pick of the week from the fan base was The Walking Dead, number 85, with 9.2% of the, of the votes. Very good. Number four was DC Comics Presents Green Lantern Will World, number one, which was a compilation of the old miniseries with Seth Fisher art, 10.9% of the vote. Great art. Number three, oh, Seth is number three was Astonishing Spider Man and Wolverine, number six, with 13.9%. Number two was Star Wars Legacy, number six, with 14.4%, with a surprise, number two. And number one was Detective Comics 877 with 20.7% of the vote. Whenever, now that we've been doing this, whenever there are books that surprise me, like Star Wars Legacy War number six, I'm kind of like, oh, maybe I should go read that. Like, a lot of people liked it. So. Yeah, well, that's their pick. You can go to ifamily.com slash comics and vote for your pick every week and, you know, drive your favorite book to the top. Yeah. So, and you can also write a review after you do your pick of the week. And we got a couple of reviews we want to share with you. Our first review comes from Colossus of Rhode Island, who reviewed Ruse number three and gave the story a five out of five and the art a five out of five. And less than 1% of you made it your pick of the week at the time of this recording. And Colossus of Rhode Island says, Mark Wade is at his best with snappy dialogue and intriguing story turns. There are multiple reveals in this issue, the presence of Queen Victoria, the attack on, the attack on Simon's agents, and none of them seem forced. They are all integral to the story and push the narrative along rather than interrupting it for the sake of a shock. I'm very excited for the conclusion of this story. I have no doubt I'll enjoy it as much as I've enjoyed the first three issues. This was very good. I'm reading this too. Um, Similarly to these X-Men books we talked about, it's really fun and funny and fast-paced and it's Mark Way doing a a kind slightly comedic Sherlock Holmes with with a hot blonde female Watson. And um, well, everybody said back in the cross gen days that Ruse was the best of the bunch. Yeah, that was the it best was. book. Yeah. It was Mark Wade and it was Butch Geist. And um, here's the thing about Mark Wade, I think, and I think we've seen this over and over again is when when he's into it, it's great. He's into he's, it. Yeah. He, there's nobody better than him. Yeah. Like he, when he's into something, he does he does fantastic comics. When he's when he's not necessarily just pretty good comics, but when he's and you can tell, like I can tell just from the description of that that that's no, like, he's into this. It's very funny. It's it's very in, uh, involved. And the, and the weird thing, the only weird thing is, and I read the book before. I don't remember that it takes place in the city of Pat Partington. It's got to be a London amalgam, right? Right, that's what I thought. But then in this issue, they talk about England and Queen Victoria, and so I was that was a bit confusing. Maybe the rules have changed. Maybe you know something like Crossgen was going on. When Partington's not a real town, not not a real city in England, is it? Partington, but when you say Mark Wade's into it, all I can think of Mike Romo's acting video. 
Well, I'm reading a, a story. I'm into it. <laughs> God, I love it. So. Red Ryan reviewed Gotham City Sirens number 23 and gave a story of four out of five in the art of four out of five. At the time of recording, no one made this pick of the week. And Red Ryan said, Catwoman is guilted into trying to help Harley Quinn while Poison Ivy arrives to force her to make a final choice to her and the Joker. All these different threads at least have the possibility of coming together in what should be an epic clash. And the interior art by Andres Guinaldo is the equal of the fantastic cover. The recent issues of Sirens have been some of the strongest, and it's a great time to get into this book if you haven't already. I could have swore this book was canceled. I, that's, I was, that's, why, that's why it's in the script, because I was like, issue 23. You know what's even funnier? It is outselling Secret Warriors. It is outselling um, Iron Man 2.0. Yep. It is outselling. Like I went because I I couldn't believe it, and so I went back to look at the April numbers. And this series is like it's like the like number seventy book. It's in the top one hundred. So amazing, crazy. I guess you know people like the Batman. It's girls. The power of of branding. Right? Yeah. So good. I fanboy. I fanboy. slash comics and do your pull list and come back and rate and review your books every week. On to the emails. You put Suicide Girls in Gotham City. See what happens. Yeah, it's a good idea. Our first Sales email. Explosion. Our first email comes from Shane from Texas. Who says, I don't know if I'm just getting to be an old fuddy-duddy, but I miss the X-Men I grew up with. I haven't read more than three or four issues a year of any X-Men comics since Grant Morrison took over the series. I know a lot of people loved his run, but it just never worked for me. Since then, I've periodically checked in with the comics, and I just don't like them. Take Wolverine, for example. When was the last time he tracked someone by their scent or used any of his super senses? Like I said, I don't read the X-Men comics regularly, so maybe I'm just missing those issues. But when I do pick up the books, they seem like different characters than the ones I grew up with. Example, one of my favorite X-Men stories, X-Men 232 to 234, uh, X-Men vs. The Brood. I realize that comics have to change over time and cannot stay the same, but I've not been reading comics since the late 1980s, and I still read and enjoy many of the characters I fell in love with way back when. Is it just me? What do y'all think? Okay, wait a minute. Is this <laughs> Shane from Texas, or is this Ron from Northport? <laughs> Listen, Shane. I understand where you're coming from. I read the Grant Morrison series, and I and I, I, while I acknowledge it for its creative merits for what it was, what I've always said is those aren't my X Men. Um, I think it depends on when you started reading the X Men. Exactly, exactly. And clearly, he he started reading around the same time. His favorite yeah. story is in the 230s, and that's the example. But what I'm going to tell you now, Shane, is that come back home. Now's <laughs> the time to come back, because no joke. In Agitless X-Men with the vampires, Wolverine's smell and senses was a big part of that story. Yep. You know, um, he uh, – he, uh, well, He's been like, doing it a lot lately, I feel like. I was just going to say, he's been doing it in Avengers and stuff like that too as well. Um, Wolverine by Jason Aaron, I just raved about it. Uncanny X-Force, it feels like old times. If you like X-Men vs. Brood, you will love the stuff in Uncanny X-Force. And Kieran Gillen, Uncanny X-Men came out this week, another great issue. This is the closest to the time that you th- remember, I think. The, cl- the closest we've come in years. So Shane, come back. It's okay to come I've been reading. I'm reading all four of those books. Yeah, and that's I just, good. I feel like he should read Astonishing, not the Warren Ellis stuff, but... Like, Everybody always happen. goes to Astonishing. So we got to stop using the crutch of Astonishing and Joss Whedon. It was a great run. It was fantastic. But even that fell a little short in places. Um, right. You know, like, I, I, I mean, like, that's the thing. I mean, everyone always goes, it goes back to, oh, Astonishing, Astonishing. And, like, while it was good, like, it, it was this, its own little island. And, uh, and honestly, while it was great, I don't think, like, it started off really strong, but I think it wavered in the middle and it, and it ended, you know, it kind of ended with a bit of a whimper, if, I, if I'm honest. Um, don't get me wrong it was Cassidy at the top of his game and the art was beautiful and was gorgeous but story wise it set out to be one thing and ended up being something different which I have a problem with but I liked um, it <laughs> but um, I, I seriously think like in the th- this year starting like around last summer up until now this current cr- crew of creators with Jason Aaron Rick Remender and Kieran Gillen 
It's this is like, and I raved about it in my in the in the written review on iFanboy.com for Wolverine number nine. This is like, I, I feel like we're entering a, a wonderful age of X Men comics. So, I hope I'm not, I really hope I'm not wrong. <laughs> hopefully, it'll last a little bit longer. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Next email, Billy from Minneapolis, or Billy Superhero says, "I've been listening to you guys for almost two years now, and I have to thank you for introducing me to a few books along the way, like Chew." You guys have a great chemistry and keep me listening. Well, thank you. That's all the email. No. So the question I've had for a while is what about the tilting of the ultimate titling? Titling. That would make more sense. Titling of the ultimate books as ultimate comics. I understand they needed a new marketing push to separate it after Ultimatum, but it's obvious that it's the same universe as and in almost every interview or story, it's never referred to as Ultimate Comics Spider Man or Ultimate Comics Ultimate Spider Man. Even you guys don't. So why don't they just drop it now after the death of Spider-Man since they're relaunching the books at number one again instead of continuing the use of Ultimate Comics as the title? Thank you. I, I, I think it's relevant. I, I, how is it relevant? It's irrelevant. Oh, it's irrelevant. Well, I just, I just, like, I just love it because there's no I, – I, it doesn't make any sense. Like even with this re, even with this reboot that they have coming up, it's like Ultimate Comics, the Ultimate's number one? Like why? It's, it seems it feels like there was a lawsuit we don't know about. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like it was like, no, he's Captain Marvel. He's Shazam. No, 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 Captain Marvel. Yep. Uh, it's some weird well, order. I remember, some... like, we you interviewed Bendis on one of the video shows, and and you you said something about that. He's like, ah, we're not calling it that anymore. But <laughs> you were. Yeah, exactly, and you are. You continue to. I know, so I keep expecting it to be gone, and it keeps coming back. I feel like there's some business MBA business major at Marvel who's like, "We're gonna brand this line, and it's gonna be branded yeah. Ultimate Comics, and, and people are gonna people are gonna want their Ultimate Comics." And there's some poor schmuck who went to Cornell or something like that, or Wharton, or I don't know, and has this like, "This is gonna be his win." And like when and when when Disney reviews it, they're gonna, "What's with these Ultimate Comics?" And it's just never, it's not gonna work. Just call it Ultimate Spider-Man. Call it Ultimate Avengers. Just be what you know. Keith, you need the word Ultimate in there. Call it that. That's fine. But this Ultimate Comics and then the title, it's not. It doesn't work, and it's confusing, and it's crazy. And those co- number one covers are not good. I'm sorry. Well, the look- covers have never been good. That has been an ultimate oh, truism from yeah. the beginning. Do you remember? But they are bringing back the branding, which they lost when they rebooted it. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. Which I like because it makes them apart. You really knew what you're looking at. Ultimately, I don't care. I mean, I'm getting <laughs> ultimately, <less>. ultimately, <laughs> ultimate comicsly. I don't care what it says on the cover. Like, like lately, I don't care about the cover. I don't care about the number. I don't care about the title. Yeah, just, as long as the story's good. Yeah, yeah. I really don't care. I couldn't I even tell you what most of the covers look like. 90% of the time, I don't even know what the covers... I just, you know, like, it's... I just like saying Ultimate Comics, Ultimate Spider-Man, who is quite ultimate. <laughs> it's like, how many times can you use the same word over and over Sometimes again? Sometimes I just pick up a comic and I start reading it, and then I'm like, wait, what am I reading? I look back at the cover, because I didn't really look at it that much. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway. so if you have any questions, you can uh, email us at contact.ifanboy.com. iFanboy is part of the Graphically family, and Graphically is your digital comic source. It's a multi-platform comics place where you can read your stuff from Marvel and Top Cow and Boom and IDW and all kinds of companies. Over 3,000 comics from all those companies. You can read them on your iPad, your iPhone, your Android device, your desktop. On the, every, on the web is everywhere. You can read, Anywhere you want to read comics, you can read them through Graphically. And you can follow us graphically on Twitter, twitter.com slash graphically. And, uh, and yeah, and, and keep, an eye, of fun. keep an eye out because uh, we got a new graphically website is coming. And it looks so, nice. Yeah, and it's, it's actually I – was, I was in meetings today and going over it, and it's, it's actually really pretty good, uh, I'll be honest. <laughs> um, so if you go to, uh, if you go to beta sign up, 
Dot.graphically.com. You can sign up and get notified as soon as it goes live, and be one of the first people, and be one of the early beta testers, and get a a, a little a little bit of a a little user badge to show that you were one of the early adopters as well. There'll be some cool stuff for those folks. So go to beta signup.graphically.com or keep an eye out on Twitter.com/graphically for the link. Um, and you know it's coming in June, so it's coming. It's right right around the corner. So graphically.com. Yay. God, time is flying. Yes, it is. I know. I fucking uh, San Diego is less than eight weeks away. By the way, guys. Shut, shut the your whore mouth. Uh, I know. I'm sorry. Chris Staros <laughs> said that on Twitter, and I was like, "Why are you doing that to me, Chris Staros?" Anyways, so <laughs> all right, on to the voicemails. Our first voicemail uh, comes. Is, is X Men are a hot topic. That's all I'm gonna say. Hi, this is Sam from Wisconsin, and I have a question. A question, just I guess, generally for Ron. Now, what is up? With all of the different costumes in the X Men universe, I've recently been reading a lot about uh, X Men comics. I've been noticing everyone's outfits have been changing a bit, and even over like the last couple of years. And I'm like, how the hell are they getting those different outfits? I mean, let alone Emma Frost. I mean, oh my God! Like they have some type of personal tailor on their like little island or something. I don't know. I was just curious on your thoughts. Take care. Bye bye. So, Ron, <laughs> how do they get these costumes? Well, I mean. According to the comics, their their costumes are made of unstable molecules, as provided by Reed Richards, so they can rearrange them in any configuration they like. So that explains the tailoring aspect of it. <laughs> Why there are so many costumes? I, I think honestly, I think um, you might have noticed. Have you, you? We've noticed a change in the quality of the books, and honestly, I think that's come from uh, some of the shuffling that's been going on editorially at Marvel. And currently, right now, Nick Lowe is the editor that's managing the entire line, and that's fairly like that's fairly recent that he's moved up to like leading the line, um, at least in the past year or two. And from talking to some creators that I know who work on the books, not a lot of attention is being paid to well, this person looks like this in this book, and this person looks like this in this book. Rather, editorial is going, ah, do whatever you want, just make it good, which is the right way to go. Exactly, exactly. So, well, now. The, the X-Men purist in me wants the costume that I can identify with and everyone to be in their uniform and all stuff like that. But given the giving, giving the creators free reign to do whatever they want, and if somebody wants to tweak Dazzler's costume to make it look different because they, they think it make it cool, th- then the, that's getting the creators' vested interest like, involved in the book and we're getting better stories out of it, then I'm cool with that. And just have fun with it. You know what I mean? Like the only problem is the only problem where that comes in is especially with all the mutants on one island, it's hard to, you know, like, wait, is that Dazzler? Like there was a scene in... Um, in what was it? Oh, New Mutants, where uh, Cyclops was talking to Ileana, and the camera pulled back, and you see because they were afraid that Ileana was going to lash out at Cyclops for what he's doing, and the, the you know the, the the shot pulled back, and you see all these all the X Men behind her like ready to fight her just in case, and there was at least three people who was like, okay, I don't know who that is, and if I don't know who that is, then that's a problem. So Maybe it's the, some kind of new X Men you never heard of. Exactly, because <laughs> I was for sure I'm like that's Dazzler, but I'm like no Dazzler's over there. So I, yeah, but. Um, so I don't know. Yes, that's the, that's the only danger with it. But um, and I've probably talked way too long about X Men costumes now. Well, the, the, you know, the other side of it though is that you just said like you're reading some of the best comic books you've read forever. So if that's exactly. the trade off. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with the trade off. Exactly. Yeah. So. Let's be Dazzler, the glowy one. <laughs> she's she's, she's clothing. She's all power. denim. <laughs> Dazzler denim just costume. hates her. Dazzler's like, do you have to be called B Dazzler? Like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on to our next voicemail. That's uh, a little inside baseball. Hey, fanboys, it's Corey from Cleveland calling. I just had a quick question about artists and, and how they get paid. Just wondering, you know, I hear about page rates and, you know, getting paid for cover is more for doing interior work and how artists make their money, which begs the question, 
how can somebody like an Art Adams, who does maybe two issues a year, if that, you know, make an honest living compared to somebody like an Ivan Rice or anybody else who does a book, you know, ten months out of the year and gets ten good issues out of it and probably, you know, has a hard time supporting themselves, like a Chris Samney or a David LaFuente. So I know you guys are in the comic industry and in the know and know people, so hoping you can shed some light on it. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. <laughs> You're making a big old assumption there that people like Chris Somney and David LaFuente are having a hard time making ends meet. Right. <laughs> we, don't, we, don't, we don't know that. I mean, like, we see Chris Somney at cons. I've seen David LaFuente at cons. I don't know his personal finances. Like, we don't know what they're, how they make their money. Like, you can't assume that. Um, there, there, there are things that you can, you can sort of lean on. and It's impossible because you don't know if these dudes are, are married to somebody who works as a major exec, you know, like if they can just do whatever they want. Like, well, that, I that's artists the, that's like the other that. thing. There's, there's a bunch of – you're also assuming that all these artists make their money only from drawing comics, monthly comics which, yes, or comics, which a lot of them do. A lot of them do storyboards. You know, we know Gabriel Hardman does movie storyboards and he also does comics. Um, a lot of them do video game designs. Like Scotty Young on his in the interview, didn't Josh, didn't you guys talk on your talk explode where Scotty was saying he did some video yeah. game design stuff? Um, he did uh, animation design. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, there's animation, there's video games, there's just regular design work, there's, there's advertising. There's, there's, also, there's also commissions. Like there, I know several several artists who you would kill to have a, a, a sequential art book by that will never do it because they make too much money off of doing a, one commission a month and, sell, and yep. selling it to some collector. Yeah. yeah, some guy will come along and be like, I want you to draw this for me for $10,000. And they'll do and it. They, they string together 10 of those a year. Yep, and you don't need, you don't and, need to worry about doing a monthly book. You know, so like yeah. it's, and it's... And that's just a reality. And if you were given... If you were given twice your salary to do ten percent of the work, you do that too. I mean, that's just right. and that sucks and, from as a fan standpoint, but a, from their standpoint, it's good. It's good money. And it's also the same as you're, and you're also not considering. Also, you're talking about artists, but you're not considering about writers either. Same thing with writers. Not every writer is sitting there slogging away at monthly monthly um, issues. You know, some writers are taking time to do a two hundred page graphic novel. Some are writing screenplays. Some are doing video games. Some are doing all of that. You know, it's like mm -hmm. it's, it's like one thing that I really respect about the people who work in the conflict industry is that the majority of them and the good ones are hustlers. Mm -hmm. Like they're they're doing they're 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 working their asses off because this is what they do and this is what they need to do to to, to live their lives and you know and and. I don't know. It's just, it's, but, and that's just only like the certain people, the, the small percentage of people working in comics who are actually making a living out of it. You know, if that, there's a ton of people out there doing all that stuff for spec, you know, right, for, yeah. for nothing. And it'd be, you know, like, there's, there's, you don't know. You don't know what, what they, you know, what they had beforehand. You don't know what their spouses are making. You don't know what it costs them to live. Like, right. It's what people make as a living, so it's it's hard to say. But Arthur Adams, he's the biggest coke runner in all of Southern Florida. <laughs> totally, that's how he makes his money. That's, uh, he just had, Connor he just, said that. He just he just had a baby. He I just draws on the side in between running dope. <laughs> I bet I bet Art Adams get a pretty good page rate. I think Art Adams. I mean, Art Adams probably does a pretty penny in commissions. I don't know, but I assume he was because he's a yeah. famous, he's he's a decades old legendary artist. He yeah, probably, but also, also also you got to consider that a, a lot of guys who've been working in the industry for a while, at least since the '80s. The royalty system and stuff like that—they're getting checks for stuff that's in print, you know, like mm -hmm. you know, like the long shot miniseries that Art Adams drew back in 1985 or 86 came oh, out. Oh, that's a cash cow. Exactly, exactly. The, the exactly. point, the point, the, the point being, no, it is that's it was really popular. The point though is that every artist and writer situation is different. Yep. Every, we don't. Nobody really knows what they do. Nobody should know what, what they do to make it's their the money. Thing, and, it's the same thing at a job. If you're at a job, I tell this to people who work for me, like my employees and stuff like that, at various jobs. I'm like, never worry about what the guy next to you is making, making, because you'll never know. You can't. All you got to do is worry about yourself. So you know, like, and and money makes people weird, and just don't think about it. 
So. You know what? A lot of the guys from the from the nineties, from the boom, a lot of dudes made a lot of money. A lot of dudes yep. you wouldn't think would have made a lot of money made right. a lot of money, and and are still living off that money. And like, yes. yeah, it's fascinating, fascinating. Like, uh, like I've heard, I've heard of a couple guys that made a lot of money. Like him? Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yep, yeah, totally. never has to work again. Yeah. So, anyway, like, so. It's like jet plane money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you have any questions, call us on our voicemail line at one eight 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 fanboys. It's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. And man, if only there were podcasts back in the nineties. I know, man. We could have. Oh, <laughs> somebody who said that. Somebody said that to me. I was like, man, if you'd have done this ten years ago, you'd have Porsches. And we were like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> was that? I think it was. I think it was Philip. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I don't think, that, we, that I don't think stuck, we would have had Porsches. <laughs> that was that is stuck with me. So no, but there was Not a ten years point, ago, fifteen years ago. Yeah. yeah, but there was a point where like the convergence of the comic book boom and and the web yes. and boom and yep. happened at the same time. Yep. Anyway, let's not talk about it. Uh, <laughs> we also have another podcast uh, called Don't Miss that comes out on Mondays. Uh, this week we'll be talking to Ron Mars about his new book from Image Comics, Shinku, with artist Lee Motor. It's a, uh, it's a Japanese uh, adventure. I don't want to give away. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. true too. Yeah, that's on the cover. You can see. Yeah, so. It's fine. Yeah, it's his new, uh, but it's we'll his be talking new, to Ron his, about his new creator own book, right? It's not it's yes. Top Guy, right? Yeah, it's his, totally his own thing. Doing it on spec. That's what that means. Cool. As Ron mentioned earlier in the show, this is the last week of the giveaway month. We've been giving away stuff all month, iFanboy members. And you can be a member going at store.com slash iFanboy. That's not even close. Store.iFanboy.com slash store. You know what? <laughs> we were talking before the show. It's, it's, we're up in the 80s now. It's starting it's to get hot. Humid. <laughs> it's getting hot. Um, have the air off. So there you go. End of the show. Always happens. You can become a member at iFanboy.com slash store. And that's where you can find out. And the winner of this week's prize, which is a Thor gift card, $25 from Fandango. One card for each member. First member is Aaron Graff. The second member who won is Jason Chow, Chow or Cho. Third, third member is Eric Schroeder, who was a new member. He signed up merely days less, ago. Less than a week. Yeah, yeah. Within this past week. So he signed up for in a week ago and won a prize. So congratulations, Eric. And the fourth final member is Alexandra Olinchuk. <laughs> Olinchuk. Did you just kill? Did you just kill somebody in a Wolverine comic? <laughs> I'm sorry, Alexandra. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, Olinchuk. So congratulations, yeah. all the all you folks, and you get the gift card that is uh, twenty five dollars for any t- movie tickets on Fandango for any movie. So, it's awesome. hot. Yay! So go to ifanboy.com where you can read my pick of the re- pick of the week review of Wolverine number nine, as well as all the other great articles and posts that are there. Um, every week, I'm impressed by the writing that's up on ifanboy.com. I'm really like I'm just flabbergasted by it. So um, I hope you go and read and enjoy it and check out all the great stuff, as well as all the great podcasts we have. We got the Don't Miss podcast on Mondays, this podcast, the video show, Word Balloon, all the great stuff. Um, follow us on Twitter, twitter.com/ifanboy, or go to Facebook and be a fan on Facebook at facebook.com/ifanboy. And as I mentioned, we have a video show every Wednesday. Our other uh, our other podcast, video show, whatever you want to call it, comes out every Wednesday. And last week was Swamp Thing. We're talking about the classic uh, DCU slash Vertigo slash DCU character. And, People liked um, it. Yeah, apparently. Who knew? And uh, upcoming this week, we're talking X-Men and X-Men First Class and all things X-Men and the, uh, with the upcoming movie that's coming out. So uh, Lord knows uh, this is my time to shine. So I'm enjoying it while I can. This is it, Ron. Yeah, this is my. Put a yeah. fanboy in your shoulders and take it in. Hey, I got. I got to tell you. I got to tell you. I got to and stay tuned because we're gonna do an audio podcast about X Men First Class. But I got a real good feeling about this movie. Yes, the early, really the early reviews have been stellar. Yeah. So anyway. 
Awesome. You can email us at contact.ifanboy.com. You can leave a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697 with any questions, comments, concerns, discussion topics, anything like that. If you are going to call in for a voicemail that you want on the show, keep in mind to keep it kind of short. The ones we got today were very good, said who they were, where they're from, and got to the point. Damn it. Stay on topic. <laughs> Stay on topic. Stay on target. <laughs> if, you, if you like the show, this show, or the Don't Miss show, the video show, write a review on iTunes. It's a perfect way to help people find comic shows when they're looking for them. We really appreciate it. And we should probably check to see the number. Let's figure out, find another benchmark to prod people to. 10,000. Even better than that is to tell your friends about iFanboy. Tell them your comic store, your comic store owner. Even maybe stores who show other shows on their TVs should show iFanboy. Tell them about that. And uh, introduce your mom to podcasts because moms love us. It's scientifically proven. Yes, it is. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'm just glad that my voice held up, although it's starting to waver. I'm really moist. That's really what's going on here. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> my skin. It's from the heat and the humidity. Oh, dear Lord. All right. Well, so then until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. And I can, I can pull my leg off this chair and it makes this weird noise because that's also moist. I'm oh, Josh. Stop saying moist. Moist. <laughs> the moist maker. Moist. Come along.